No, Siri, you, you can't help anyone with anything. Please leave. I'm Ian. I'm Eli. I just choked on a French fry. And this is... Three crashers. You know what else crashed? Us? <laughs> just then? Yeah. Yep. My mind. Your mind. Do, 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 do. Never before heard. This is an exclusive story belonging only to us. I'm currently very dead because of having woken up at 5.30 Ew. when I was supposed to wake up like three hours later. Uh, but I'm hoping that will rectify itself during recording because I have here half a cup of caffeine in the form of Coca-Cola, so. I'm a firm believer that soda a day keeps the doctor away. Mmm. That's how it works, right? This is going to be a really weird episode if I stay like this because it's going to be like the only episode ever with low, raspy voice, Ian. Low, Ian. <laughs> Maybe I should read just to be like the sleepless nightmare. No. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're doing the Russian sleep experiment. I confused Ian by calling it orange soda. Do you want to talk about that a hot second? I did indeed find that in some references to the Russian sleep experiment, it is known as orange soda. That's the project name. To my knowledge, Orange soda has no connection to sleep. In fact, sometimes it's caffeinated, so. And to make this a more realistic and thrilling experience for the audience, we took the liberty of making me sleep deprived just so you guys would have the full experience. I've gotten a half hour of sleep. We're really living this up just for you guys. Ian's exhausted and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you can see, people respond to sleep deprivation in different ways which should be your first clue that this probably isn't the right story to be telling as fact. Yeah, all right. This experiment is one of the like, it's like really famous um, as two things. One, an experiment gone completely wrong and also the biggest hoax of an experiment. Biggest uh, experiment to go wrong, uh, tall tale to go right. Now this takes place in the 40s basically under the idea that Russian scientists were trying to make a stimulant that could keep soldiers awake for days and days. Mm. And this was because in the Second World War, the Germans had a stimulant called pervitine, which was a methamphetamine, and that was keeping people awake for two days. And the U.S. was using benzedrine, which is essentially speed. Mm. So they were like, Let's make something that'll last longer. And I'm going to read the full story, but not yet. So they said that like they're going to use prisoners of war to test it on. Because ethical considerations don't matter on a prisoner of war, apparently. That's where we begin. So they were like, we're going to find something that works better than these um, meth drugs. Is a methamphetamine the same thing as meth? It's the same thing, right? No, no. Isn't it just like a more regulated meth? I don't know the exact relationship between typical methamphetamines and like street meth, but if you're getting meth off the street, you're probably not actually getting like methamphetamines, you're getting some other chemical compound. So meth is basically like different types of amphetamines 
and sometimes other chemicals that are taken from like cold remedies or and like pills. So as as I said, uh, if you're taking meth, you're not taking methamphetamines. You're taking like methamphetamines plus plenty of poison. So and then some. All right. So they were like, we're gonna be better than everyone else because we're Russia. Um, so they were like, let's take five men and they're gonna be prisoners of war. And we're gonna tell them if they go through with this experiment, they're gonna be released. Mm. Now that was a big old fucking lie if you didn't know that. And so it was supposed to be for 30 days. And mm. we'll soon find out why that did not last 30 days. They developed a stimulant through a gas because that would somehow be better. So they took their five prisoners of war, told them that they'd get to be released into the freedom of the world if they did this. Mm-hmm. So they stuck them in a sealed room and put oxygen and the stimulant in the room. And they had things to monitor the oxygen intake because the gas is deadly. Okay. Um, in high concentrations. So basically like any gas in high concentrations, it'll kill you. <laughs> if you have too much gas, like uh, depleting the, uh, not depleting, but like if the concentration of oxygen that you're breathing in is too low, or if the carbon dioxide isn't enough, you'll, you'll start having really bad effects and you could die. You could also die from like having too much oxygen, which is yeah. something we'll get into later. Yes, it is. So basically they were like, we're going to stick you in this room. We're going to give you gases um, and we're going to, monitor you to make sure you don't die but you're probably going to die anyways and then there were no windows but they did have like a porthole i guess that is a window isn't it Mm -hmm. but it's really thick and because it was so thick it was like really hard to actually see through it you could Mm -hmm. see shadows through it and that was about it but they also had cameras installed in there and microphones so that they could monitor them that way okay I think the window was more for the people on the inside. So in the chamber, they had dried food for 30 days, like enough food for 30 days. Um, They had running water, cots, but no bedding on them. If you're trying to keep them awake, why give them the cots in the first place? That is a good question. Did they not have chairs and tables or something? Yes, they had dried food, a toilet, running water, books, and cots to sleep on, but no bedding. Yeah, that's just a flawed experiment right there. Yeah. There's a couple of those. The first three days, everything seemed pretty normal. They were um, monitoring their activities and conversations, and they were pretty chill. And then on day four, they noticed things started to kind of take a turn for the worse. It was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past. Um, from like war traumas, continual nightmares, um, killings they had to do. And so like the general tone of what was happening took a very dark turn. And as we enter day five, things got a little very scary. Okay. In my notes, it says five, shit. That's all it says. I mean, there was shit, so half right. Yes. (laughs) Um, So day five. They start complaining, which I don't know about you. Have you ever done a juice cleanse? Actually, no, I have no idea what that is. It's where like you don't eat any solid food. You do like five days of only drinking juices. 
What is that supposed to accomplish? It removes all the toxins and everything from your system because you're not having anything processed. It's essentially a slightly healthier fast. I really don't think that's how it works, but okay. I've done one of them because when I relapse, I can't eat solid foods, but that's a very different circumstance. Yeah, doing, it, doing it out of necessity is not the same as doing it for a diet fad. Um, but if you do that, I mean, I got to like day two of the one that I did and was so pissy that like if I had to be awake for five days, I would be a wreck. Like that was just not eating for two days and I wanted to die. So, you know, I can't entirely blame them. Yeah. Or, but uh, they did have food and everything. And I, I can't blame them for complaining about their circumstances. Yeah. Like I'd complain about that. But they weren't they were doing a little more than complaining. They stopped talking to each other entirely because paranoia grew. They were like completely thrown off on it. Um, there were signs of psychosis. They were talking to themselves and things that were not there. But the main sign was paranoia. Um, they weren't talking to each other anymore. Um, they had actually all started like whispering to the microphones and the one-way portholes. Um, because they thought that they could win the trust of their captors, essentially, um, by turning over their fellow comrades. When this started happening and they were like, um, oh God, um, they're literally trying to turn against each other. They all thought that maybe it was because of the gas. The researchers thought it was the gas causing this. Did they have reason to believe so? I mean, I would say the reason to believe so would be that that's what they're testing on. However, after like, I believe it's like 72 hours without sleep, the mind kind of turns on you and that's when like hallucinations start to show up. Just for my own curiosity here, I want to see if there were sleep deprivation experiments prior to the 1940s. All right. Which I should have done earlier, but uh... So we have an experiment from 1928 on the effects of sleep deprivation. Specifically on the effects of loss of sleep. Subjects were examined after a 40% reduction of the customary sleep ration. And after 72 hours sleep deprivation, uh, their blood pressure changed. Yeah. So I'm going to go with they probably should have had a better idea here. Were they U.S., Russia? I mean, it's claimed Russia. Okay. We, don't, we never know what the source was, so who knows who's writing the history. That's interesting, though, that they already were doing sleep experiments. Like, they were done in the world, yeah they would theoretically know. They would probably have some sort of like baseline understanding of what would happen to people with general sleep deprivation, uh, which they could compare. So, you know, we go from paranoia for four days, I guess, to day nine of utter hell. Perhaps like worsening symptoms of similar nature. Right, like I'm assuming it was left out because it didn't change drastically. Yeah other than them continuing to, like, panic. Yeah. So day nine, the first of the five men started screaming. 
insert scream here. Go for it, Ian. I think that's exactly what they sounded like. I hope so. It was probably an effect of the gas. Heighten their voices. Mm-hmm. So he was running the length of the chamber, which I don't, I don't know how big the chamber is. That should have been specified, but it never yeah. was. This is probably like a third-party account of the true event, so right, they right. might not have had access to those details. He ran the length of the chamber repeatedly, yelling at the top of his lungs. Um, some described it as howling. But like, I don't know about you. Screaming, I understand. But like, when I hear howling, I think of like a wolf being like, Yeah. And so I'm like, what was he doing? But he did that for three hours straight. And at the end of the three hours, he couldn't really keep screaming um, because that, you know, puts a lot of pressure on your vocal cords. And so supposedly from all of the straining, he sounded like this. When he tried to scream, I had that pulled up and ready. I'm so sorry. Honestly, I feel like that matches up with the scream I did. So it's probably very accurate. This is a sign of us getting more professional. Yeah, this is, this is us at taking this at maximum seriousness. Really, though, because like now we're using sound effects. Like We're getting really good at this. Yeah. So we have him screaming and now sounding like a squeaky toy. Um, And the researchers postulated, what a good word, postulated, that he had physically torn his vocal cords. Now, did you look up by chance the amount of force needed to... I I did not. What I did find, I I couldn't find an exact, like, numerical value. What I did find is that to simply, if you continue straining your voice like with high volume for prolonged periods of time without like warming up or anything, you can, you can damage your vocal cords enough that they stop vibrating properly and you can literally lose your voice. Uh, and while you wouldn't necessarily tear your vocal cords, it's possible. It has happened before, not impossible, but the more likely explanation, which these sleep-based doctors might not have been specialized in, so, you know, Vocal therapy is its own thing. Um, Whether or not they tore their vocal cords is entirely speculation and probably unlikely, but I can definitely believe that they would only be able to let out squeaks at a time if they continually were still trying their hardest to scream even after the voice was lost. I couldn't imagine the amount of pain I would be in. Yeah, well, well, as I recall, there's there's sort of an interesting thing about pain with regards to these these, uh, subjects. We will get to that later. I just was thinking, like, I ride roller coasters and, like, I scream and it hurts, so it would not be cute. The craziest thing about this whole thing of him screaming for three hours is that the others didn't react. They literally just kept whispering into the microphones. Like, nothing was happening, apparently. Then, when the first one was done screaming, a second started to scream. So that's Two of the five are now have been screaming. And two of the non-screaming captives of the, like, I guess there's three non-screaming now. Four, well, yeah, there'd be three that haven't done anything yet. Five total. Yeah, yeah. Two, two had, had either screamed or were screaming, and three were not screaming. Okay. 
So two of the three non-screamers took the books that they had and started tearing them apart because we don't want entertainment. And then they smeared page after page with their own feces and then calmly pasted them over the glass portholes. As soon as the portholes were covered, the screaming stopped. You know what else stopped? The whispering. Dead silence after they shit on some books. Um, I don't know about you, but I cannot poop on command. So I was impressed, especially because they had a toilet. It must have been like, okay, when does it say this actually took place? This says the 40s. There's not even a specific year. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, which day are we talking when this finally happened? Nine. And they were more or less okay, but like acting weird on day five, right? Yeah. Four was okay. when they started taking the first turn downhill. So unless in four days they pooped enough without the researchers thinking it was of note, not in their drainage facility. Mm-hmm. I mean, not impossible. Not impossible, but I would at least have hoped there would be notes. But then again... That might not be the part of the story that was, like, told to whoever this third party who probably posted this was. Right. Well, and, like, you're also dealing with they were prisoners of war, so they are malnourished. Um, and they had enough food for 30 days for the five of them. And yeah. so it's dried food, so I'm thinking, like, astronaut food. But, like, they Probably were- more like jerky. If you've been, like, malnourished, I'm pretty sure if you, like, just eat too fast, you can ruin yourself. That was one of the biggest issues was when the concentration camps were liberated, they would eat too much because they were so hungry or too fast and it would literally kill them. Yeah. So, I mean. So, yeah. Possible issues with like pooping yourself. I could see that. Mm -hmm. So three more days passed and um, something happened where um, the men couldn't be seen at all on the cameras anymore. And so they checked the oxygen levels and they were still fine. It still indicated five breathing men. Um, Actually, there was so much oxygen levels that it was five men consumed by doing constant strenuous activity. So that's like the fuck is happening. That's not normal. And so they decided to start keeping an eye on the oxygen level. And then um, they um, were checking the microphones hourly. So day nine was when the silence started. So between 9 and 14, they're checking outwardly on the microphones and they can't see them anymore. Mm. Now, I believe between day 9 and 14, that's what, nine, five days, is when the most detrimental shit went down. That would kind of make sense. And it's because they couldn't be seen, so it couldn't be stopped. So, you know, they were a little afraid on day 14 that, like, they were either dead already or in a vegetative state. Um, So they did something that they had never intended to do, especially only halfway through the study. They spoke into the microphone intercom thing. And they said, we are opening the chamber. Wait, no, I got to put on my like official voice. We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. (laughs) Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. You like my official voice? That was okay. I kind of want to take a crack at it. We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. 
I don't know. I think mine was more official, but yours was more intense. Hmm. What do the fans want? You should make that a post on Facebook before we release this. All right. Now I'm going to do it as Zeus. <laughs> okay. So it was silent for a hot second. And then one singular voice responded. We'll see who does this one better too. Very calmly. We no longer want to be freed. <clears throat> we no longer want to be freed. Woo! So they were like, the fuck? That's not good. Maybe they're addicted <laughs> to the gas. The deadly gas keeping them awake, they're addicted to now, apparently. So debate broke out. And this debate was between the researches and the military forces funding the research of like, what do they do next? Because that's not good. They tried to get more responses from the five men inside and they couldn't get anything else from them. Um, stop playing with your eyebrows. <laughs> trying to mess you up, man. <laughs> You're doing it. I've always wanted to do that. I'll probably never do it again, but I'm, this is the headspace I'm in right now. So they're debating. They can't get any more responses from those dudes inside that were like, go free me. <laughs> they're just not talking anymore, which is great. Makes for a great experiment. Yeah. And so they're like, you know what we'll do? We'll go in on the 15th day, 15 days early at midnight. So the chamber, they had to get rid of some of the gas because it's deadly and our people that hadn't been in there before are like researchers mm -hmm. couldn't acclimate to it quickly enough, you know, the way the five did. Because mm -hmm. they've like increased it daily or whatever. Yeah. But the minute they start putting extra like fresh oxygen in there, voices from the microphones began screaming and objecting. Uh, three different voices were begging, um, like, as if they were pleading for their own life to turn the gas back on. And they were like, well, fuck, that's even worse than we thought. So we're going to get them out. Like, this is not good. Now, this is when chaos really erupts. So we opened the chamber and there's some soldiers that are gonna go in. And as soon as the door was open, our five men, well, our four men, began to scream louder. And so did the soldiers when they saw what the fuck they were walking into. Four of the five subjects were still alive, but they kinda looked like zombies. There are like those myths of like the, uh the ritual sacrifice where they carefully like remove each organ yeah. and then they kill you. Yeah. That was the image I was getting. Okay. Very Jack. Wow. It's week two of me saying something's very Jack the Ripper. Four of the men are alive, but like not really alive. It's a little frightening. Um, the food past day five had not been touched. So that's 10 days that they might not have been eating. However, there were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, um, which means there was four inches of water on the floor of the cell. Um, and they're not sure how much of that was blood, how much of it was urine, how much of it was just from the running water. They don't really know. 
let me just point out that this is actually one of the few things we get that help us identify the geography of this cell because um, it's odd that there would be like a working like running water and like toilet facility, but also a drain in the middle of the room. This probably implies that the running water and possibly also the toilet were both like right in the center of the room at the drain. Because that's the only way I can see this making sense. Yeah. So not only were his body parts like in the drain, they also kind of ate him. So like the food rations, I guess, just didn't taste very good. So they went all like Wendigo, like what we talked about on um, Roanoke. And we're like, we'll just eat this motherfucker. So the surviving test subjects um, also had large portions of muscle and skin torn from their bodies. Now, if you're squeamish, skip the next like two minutes. So the destruction of their flesh was deemed to be self-inflicted. The bones on their fingertips were um, exposed. And so um, that showed that like, not only was it self-inflicted, it was not done with their teeth. It was done with their hands. Further examination of the position and angles of the wounds also showed that it had to be self-inflicted. Yeah. Um, now, to make it worse, they had basically torn all of the skin and muscles off of their chest, revealing their lungs, their heart, and all of the like abdominal organs below the rib had been removed. So, like some joint, like cult ritual, like let's just take out our intestines now. All of the blood vessels and organs remained intact. So, like they didn't like completely rip out their liver or whatever. It was still like attached to their body, but on the floor next to them. And there was, you could see in their digestive tract that they were digesting food, but it became clear pretty quickly that what they were digesting was not the food rations they gave them, but their own flesh and the flesh of their dead comrade that they had been eating over the course of, probably day nine to 15, because that's when they couldn't see them anymore. Yeah. So most of the soldiers who had gone in to like remove them refused to come back. So they got more soldiers to come remove them. So as they were being um, removed, they were begging to stay. They were begging for the gas to be turned back on. They were like terrified to fall asleep. Um, One of them um, pulled the throat out of a Russian soldier. Another was, and so obviously he died. Um, Another soldier was severely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery severed by the subject biting him. Um, Another five of the soldiers lost their lives. Now one of them committed suicide shortly after this. So you can like, attribute it to the account of it i want to have like an actual like debate with you on whether or not he died from blood loss from losing his testicles or the like it says uh it says in context one of the russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his legs ever by one of the subject's teeth another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you count the ones that committed suicide I think contextually, he probably died from bleeding out. You're right. But I like I like to think 
that he didn't even die from bleeding out. He just gave up on life after losing his testicles. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. It was a moral death. Yeah, like there's no debate there. He was like, I don't have the balls anymore. (laughs) I don't have the I don't have the balls to stomach life anymore. I don't have the balls to like live through what I've just witnessed. Stick me on a spear for the birds. We're going right back to last week again. So during this fight, um, one of the four living subjects, the test subjects, um, had his spleen ruptured from like fight to get out. And he bled out almost instantly from that. Now, wouldn't you have already bled out from like removing your intestines and shit? Like, okay, rebuttal phase. Or do I need to finish this before we... We should finish the story and get to the rebuttal phase before we discuss whether or not they would have died simply from organ removal. All right. So that one died. Um, And so they tried to sedate the other ones. Um, And they gave them more than 10 times the normal dose of morphine. And the men still like kept fighting. It didn't really work. The one who bled out, um, his heart seemed to like visibly beat for a full two minutes after he bled out um, to the point that there was more air in his vascular system than blood. Even after, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating more over and over, weaker and weaker. More. More. I feel like this is kind of just like one of the poetic deaths in Shakespeare. The tragic hero fighting, knowing he's going to die, usually already weakened. He's on his deathbed. He's just trying to go down fighting. He just wants to look like a badass as he dies. More, more, forevermore. <laughs> so the surviving three were like super restrained because they couldn't really sedate them. And they were taken to a medical facility. The two that like still had their vocal cords working were begging to have the gas turned on still. So the most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room. And so they were preparing to put his organs back in his body. And they found out that he was super immune to the sedative. And he got real pissy and fought really hard when the anesthetic gas was given out to the point that he managed to tear his way through a four inch leather strap on his wrist with a 200 pound soldier holding that wrist down. It took obviously more anesthetic than normal. And the instant his eyelids closed, his heart stopped. The heart thingy went in the autopsy of it. um, It showed that his blood had triple the amount of normal oxygen and his muscles that were still attached were horribly torn. He had nine broken bones. um, And most of them were from like his own force. The second from the group was the one that like ripped his vocal cords. So because of that, he couldn't object to the surgery. Um, He could only like shake his head really violently in disapproval. When the anesthetic gas was brought to him, he like really freaked out. So they like suggested very reluctantly that they do the surgery without anesthetic. And he was like, yes, please do that. That's what I want. So they were like, okay. So they do a six hour procedure replacing his abdominal organs and covering them with what remained of his skin. He didn't react other than smiling. Every doctor and every surgeon deserves a smile for what they're doing through this time. I'm sure he felt the same. Yeah. So, you know, when the surgery ended, he was wheezing and like trying to talk. 
And the surgeon was like, this is probably something really important. So get him a pen and a pad um, so he can write. And, you know, he wrote something really important that I actually took a note on. You know it's big if I took a note. Yep. He said, keep cutting. So the last test subject had the same surgery with no anesthetic, but they gave him a paralytic for the duration so that they, like, he wouldn't move. Now, they found it almost impossible because when he wasn't paralyzed, he was laughing constantly through the entire thing. And then the issue was that the paralytic cleared their system really fast. Um, so they were pretty quickly trying to escape again. And as soon as they could talk, they wanted it turned back on, the gas. The problems would, are really only happening when there's a withdrawal. Okay. The researchers tried asking him why they injured themselves, why they um, ripped out their own guts, why they wanted the gas again. And the only response given from the two alive men were, I must remain awake. So the restraints were reinforced and they were placed back into the chamber um, to await determination of what they were going to do with them. Good. So they um, were like, we failed, so we should just euthanize them. That was the first idea. The officer instead was like, let's put them back on gas and see what happens. The researchers of this experiment were like, no, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. But they were overruled. So in preparation for being put back in the chamber, they put EEG monitors on them and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. So they were just going to stick them in there restrained now. To everyone's surprise, as soon as they found out that they were going back on the gas, they stopped struggling. However, they were doing anything they could to stay awake, like humming, straining against the like restraints like they were trying to get out. Now, they were monitoring the brain rate waves with the EEG. Yeah. And um, they were normal and then would sometimes like flatline unexpectedly and then go crazy, normal, flatline, crazy, normal, flatline. So it was kind of like he was suffering, going brain dead, and then coming back again and again. And so while they were watching that, one nurse saw his eyes slip shut. And the moment his head hit the pillow, it completely flatlined and his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject um, started screaming to sealed in now. They were like, now get me in there. And his brain waves were showing now the same flat lines. Um, so they gave the order to seal the chamber with the subjects as well as three researchers. One of the researchers drew his gun and shot the commander um, point blank between the eyes and then turned and shot the remaining subject okay. uh, screaming i won't be locked in here with these things not with you um he then turned to the man strapped to, to the table and said what are you i must know the subject smiled have you forgotten so easily the subject asked we are you we are the madness that lurks within you all begging to be free every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from me in your beds every night. 
We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and shot him. And he weakly choked out so nearly free. The end. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Awesome bro take. Yeah, man. I hoped you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh, yeah, man. You are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. That's got to be the most successful experiment I've ever read about. Tear into it. Let's go. My first question is why they didn't have a control group for this experiment. Or alternatively, test the effects of the drug before trying to use it on human subjects to see if it would actually give you simply the desired effect of stimulating them enough to not sleep and not to have any other effects which would coincide and therefore negate the results of the test. For example, tearing oneself open is probably like the biggest factor I can think of not being able to accurately see what happens to a person when they are in normal circumstances under stimulation. They invalidated their own experiment by not understanding the applications of their own drug, which I won't say hasn't happened before, but they should have known better than to start just guessing as to what this gas would do. Mm -hmm. There's no point in having a chemical weapon that you think might do a thing, and then trying to find out, like, without looking into the actual drug itself. Essentially, the, I'm, I'm being led to believe the military invested all this money in a secret project to go on for 30 days, paying for plenty of staff and supplies to be available at this facility. So talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars back in the day, all to determine if people could stay asleep with a stimulant without knowing what the stimulant is. Bitch, they could have tried coffee. We already know what happens to a brain on coffee. They could have tried coffee. I mean, the speed wasn't working, though, so, like... Just... Worst experimental design ever. Ever. Yeah, there's a lot of flaws. So, either the military in Russia was way dumber than we ever, like, gave them credit for back in the day, or this experiment was not funded by any government because no government would be stupid enough to fund this project. I just needed to get that off my chest because, God, this is a bad experiment. They should have terminated it after day nine at the latest. When they stopped being able to see their actual subjects, yeah, they should have ended the experiment. They were good at it. They would be like, um, time to stop. But they didn't. So my first thing that I wanted to bring up was the oxygen levels. 
Yeah, they mentioned this a couple times, don't they? They said the oxygen levels right before they went in showed that five people were alive. But when they went in, one person was dead and appeared to have been for a while. They said two things. The first was that uh, the oxygen levels were being observed by the experimenters closely. Mm -hmm. The second thing they say is that during the period between day nine and day 15, uh, the oxygen was being consumed at a rate consistent with average people, uh, with five average people working out hard. That was what they measured. Yes. Considering we're talking about four people who were alive during the experiment while this was happening. Mm -hmm. We're talking about four people who were exerting enough force to literally tear off their own flesh. Right. The fact that it was just barely higher during like the experiments kind of works out. Except that what it means when they're saying they have enough oxygen in the room is not like they don't go by like literally how many oxygen molecules are in there. They go by the partial pressure within the room, which means that um, the atmosphere literally weighs something. It's gas, but gas isn't weightless. It still has mass. It still has particles in there. So however much of the weight of the atmosphere in the room was contributed to by oxygen is what they would have been maintaining because that's what nece is necessary for breathing. The proper pressure level, the partial pressure of oxygen. So my next little like question yeah. is eating themselves. Auto cannibalism, the act of eating oneself. So I'm not even going to get into the part yet about how like you would die. Um, I just want to talk about their strength first. Because they uh, yeah. got some abnormally like super strength happening in here, but you're yeah. dealing with prisoners of war who are malnourished, who have been sleep deprived, who haven't touched their food since day five. How? Now I guess Killing one of the men makes a little bit of sense because that would be four against one. Now, okay, killing one, sure, I can see that. But to rip out the flesh and eat it, first of all, what would he even have left if he's been that malnourished? Second, where would they get that strength from? The answers to this are they wouldn't and they wouldn't. Okay. Uh, they tore off like lots of their own musculature they tore off lots of their own flesh and consumed it during this time. Now, I'm not a biologist, but I vaguely remember someone telling me that muscles are the parts of your body responsible for movement and force generation. Which means the less muscle you have, if you imagine like a really scrawny guy, in general, the weaker you will be compared to someone with more muscle mass, like a bodybuilder. Now, there is like in actual fitness training, a difference in skill sets between being very massive and being strong. However, nonetheless, muscle mass correlates with strength. So as they ate more and more of their muscles, not only would they be weaker, which would mean there's no way they would be able to like use their muscles to the capacity at which they would need to generate the force required for this kind of attack. But also it means they wouldn't even, like, depending on what they tore off, they might not even be able to stand or walk properly. Like, if they tore off their Achilles tendon, they wouldn't be able to stabilize their leg very well. They'd have to hobble at least on one leg. And that's even assuming the rest of their legs are, you know, if they ate the thighs and the Achilles tendons on both legs, they can't walk. 
So like we're talking about like they destroyed their bodies to the extent that medically speaking, there's no way they would have been able to have the strength to, described. Neither the attacking of the men while trying to resist being pulled out, nor the breaking four-inch restraints while subdued by a 200-pound man with his weight all on that wrist. Neither would be possible, even if, assuming, like they said, they were using the maximum force they could generate and broke their own bones, which, by the way, also, since you have less muscle and you can generate less force, I doubt they would have been able to break their own bones from flexing. Now, I will say, it depends on what bones we're talking about. I've broken bones just falling over. Um, but yeah. like to break a shin is very different from like, I broke my wrist because I fell in the mud. Um, yeah. Like, you know. Even, a even a well-trained person with a fully intact leg would probably not be able to break their leg by flexing as hard as possible. Like the logic behind it is extremely flimsy to me. And then back on the tearing off flesh and eating it, um, the blood loss and, like, septic shock would kill them, correct? Yeah. They still would have died from septic shock of eating body parts. Possibly. There are mixed records, especially in, like, older history, where, like, cannibal cannibalism was, like, reported, but it was not the listed cause of death for, like, prisoners or whatever. So the jury is out on if they would have died that quickly of those symptoms. But long-term, yeah, they would have died. Okay. Um... And then my other thing on it is you can't rip out vital organs. They didn't damage the organs. That's not possible, though. Like, Yeah, so, you know, there's a couple reasons why the tearing of the organs out wouldn't have worked. The first of which, I must remind you, is that there were four inches of contaminated water on the floor where they put their organs. Mm -hmm. We're talking instant contamination. I cannot express to you how quickly they would be hit by so many diseases they would die. Like, it's not even funny. Again, I have not done research into how long it takes to die of literal, the sheer amount of disease. Not even the diseases themselves, but just how many diseases you're trying to fight. Right. I don't think there are any studies on that because to even attempt to study that would probably violate every scientific like code ever it would have to be something you saw in the wild somehow but um yeah so first of all contamination of the organs by putting them in the water awful the other thing is you can't rip off muscle and flesh and simultaneously not damage your blood vessels because right. lots of your blood vessels are literally embedded and travel through your muscles so no. Let's see, what else? What else would be the problem with ripping out your organs? I can't imagine. Um, um, just ripping out your organs in general? Oh, they said that most of the muscles connected to the ribs were like torn out yeah. and you could see through the ribs. There are muscles in the ribs which facilitate breathing by assisting the diaphragm. Right. And depending on how quickly they tore out those muscles, um, like eventually, literally, your breathing muscles, your breathing musculature can tire. Kind of like if you, like, even though your tongue is like really, really enduring, if you just like around in your mouth for hours and hours on end, it will tire. 
if that happens to the assistive muscles in your in your uh, body, you cease being able to breathe properly, which would have been detected because of the oxygen consumption. Also, it can lead to later health problems, including fainting, as we know from the story, would have killed them. Therefore, they wouldn't want to do that. Right. Again, they were physically straining against these guards. Mm-hmm. But the testicle ripper. Yes, the testicle ripper, the Jack the testicle ripper. Ooh. The other thing that people tend to forget is that, yes, your muscles are the things which, like, allow you to grip things and pull really hard, but they don't work without oxygen flowing in as a, to help fuel their production of energy chemicals, which we use. And if you don't have blood going to your muscles, you will very quickly won't be able to generate enough force in your muscles to do anything. Now, is that why, like, your body tires out after, like, extreme exertion? Yes. Or, like, it, cramp- obviously, you aren't literally losing blood when you work out hard. Right. But what happens is, um, what happens is your oxygen, your aerobic capacity to do work, which is the type of energy production involving oxygen. Okay it becomes insufficient to meet the demands of your body at like super high levels of exertion. So your body switches to something called anaerobic uh, energy production, which means you basically just sort of like put on afterburner in your, that's already in your body. You start relying less and less on oxygen. As a result, you produce lactic acid in the muscle, which is like, it's literally acid. Like it burns your muscles. And so over a prolonged period of time, there will be either enough pain or enough, um, or enough of a strain on your body that you simply will not be able to continue moving. He definitely wouldn't be able to fight full force for five minutes after his heart, like while bleeding out and two minutes after his heart stopped beating. Yeah, so the talking after his heart stops beating. Yeah. Um, now, I have heard um, that as your body is dying, essentially, like after you're dead, bodies do make noises still because yes. it's losing air and blood and like they still make noises so i do but this is not controlled noise right that like i believe that sounds could still be heard from him not intelligible words yeah no. okay what did he actually say let's see he kept saying more but honestly like that's such a short and short word and a common syllable that even if he was just gasping in uncontrollably <laughs> Yeah, it could sound like <laughs> it could have like like in the heat of the moment they could have heard more. The human mind does that, as we talked about in our ghost video. Ghostbusters. Oh, the throat, the tearing of the throat. Yeah. Physically can't. I have seen a video. Oh God. Uh, from a show called Fight Science. Okay. And they did an episode on kung fu, which, for anyone who doesn't know. I love martial arts, like all martial arts, like any martial art I hear of, I'm obsessed with. So this was like really great. I enjoy the science of fighting. But one of the Kung Fu experts they brought in was an expert, or I'm not sure if they were actually a full expert. They were, they were at the very least highly proficient in Tiger Claw Kung Fu. And Tiger Claw Kung Fu literally relies on you making a, a, a paw-like shape with your fingers by curling them and pointing your fingers outwards and uh, striking out with them. They're good at like putting pressure on small amounts of area. And he did manage, this Tiger Kung Fu guy, to uh, 
tear through with his bare hand in the tiger claw, tear through a an advanced car driving test dummy. Not a, they, it was a gelatin model designed to simulate the thickness of human flesh. And he did manage to tear clean through the flesh and everything and pulled the guy's windpipe out. It's possible. But the thing to remember is that the Kung Fu guy literally spent years specifically hitting the tips of his fingers against wooden objects to harden those phalanges to the point where he could exert the force without breaking his own hand. I love the word phalanges. It's a great word. I also love that I'm able to like maintain a conversation while sewing. That's honestly, you're, you're probably the most impressive person. But yeah, the point is the average guy, especially like these guys who like ripped off their own fingertips. Right. <laughs> probably did not have the proper bone structure to facilitate such a move. Right. While it's possible, I'm going to say unlikely. Um, obviously, we have to address the testicles. Because, one, we know how much I love Zeus and... Okay. He needs, he needs new testicles. We're on the market. Okay. Well, I want to talk about it in two ways. How he removed the testicles. Was it with his hands or his teeth? Because I would assume it's easier to bite through something than it is to rip something with your hands. It definitely is because teeth are sharper. Right. So you could go for like a pressure cut as opposed to... A, like your mouth is... I mean, obviously your mouth is not literally the strongest muscle in your body... But for like cutting through things, your teeth is much. Your teeth are much better than your hands ever will be. Right. The only thing I will say is that I'm not sure how that would line up because, like, obviously we don't know exactly how he was attacked. But I'm just saying, if they were targeting the throat and the testicles at a similar time, it would be difficult to at the same time attack the throat and testicles simply because, yeah, it, it, people are tall. Like, it would be hard to, like, bite someone, then quickly bend down to bite off their balls. No, it was one person lost their throat, and then a separate person lost their balls. Oh, that's correct. In that case, it hardly matters. Right. And, and since, they couldn't, since they probably couldn't stand well, maybe this one guy just crawled over and bit him. Because <laughs> that's all he could reach. Although he had to bite through clothing. So that's another factor I wasn't thinking. He could have, like, ripped the balls off and not quite bitten through the pants, and then the balls would have stayed in the pants, but still have been, like, severed? Like, maybe. Maybe. I'm guessing on that. But you'd also still have to do some, like, pretty gnarly guesswork of where are the balls. Yeah. Like, guys, spoiler alert, soldiers have different heights. We don't use clone armies yet, so... Depending on where he was, what angle he was attacking from, how tall both were... What they were wearing. Because, like, if you're in tight pants... These soldiers could have literally just like smacked these guys in the organs. Right. Like the thing I don't get is you can literally even through flesh when, when the organs are stabilized, you can absolutely knock someone out with a liver punch or a punch to the spleen or kidney. So imagine the damage they could cause by either just grabbing at one of the flailing organ organs and pulling organs? or otherwise crushing them underfoot. Well, they removed their organs. So, like, literally all you would have to do is walk in the room. So, I'm going to just say this only works if they are, like, caught entirely by surprise. Right. I could understand some form of shock upon walking into the room and seeing what was described. But even then, I don't know. I guess that depends on what triggers. If you're a flight flight or fight freeze person, then okay. Maybe, but your soldiers are probably not going to freeze. 
when they're shocked. Yeah. Like, that would not be very good for the military if that was their response. I mean, granted, most military people are not trained to see something specifically like that, but they've seen shit before. Right. They've experienced it all. And then the refusal to go back in, though, is interesting because they said some of the people who went in initially wouldn't go back in to take them out. Which Makes is, sense. Right, like fair. But that means they had to get a whole other group to go in, which means it would have been that new group's first time seeing them. So you could have that reaction again. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess they should have made the first guys go back in. Yeah, probably. And then five additional suicides from soldiers. That alone is its own horror story. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's everything inside. And now we're at the hospital. So the very first thing I want to address. Yeah. Immediately. Only one operating room. If you're telling me you took someone to a hospital and there's only one surgical suite in the entire hospital. Was this a hospital? It did say a hospital, but... Like... I'm just saying, this, the facilities they have seem very unlike the average hospital. Right. Well, the other thing is, remember, the only thing they, they were apparently expecting this uh, gas to do, somehow, because how do you make a chemical and not know into it to give it certain effects? Like, they fucked up, okay? Mm. But the only thing they expected, 100%, was that these people would not be able to sleep. Mm-hmm. There was no reason to assume injuries in a sleep-deprived room would be so severe that operation would be at all necessary. So, honestly, I'm more surprised that there is an operating room at all. Personally, I think they overprepared. Then, the anesthesia. The first guy who flatlined on the table. I just saw that face. Do you want to go for it? I can't say for certainty that this doesn't make sense, because I believe they used different drugs for different things. I think they specifically list tranquilizers as not working against the resisting subjects. They attempted to sedate them. They were injected with more than 10 times the human dose of a morphine derivative. Um, So that's what they used when fighting. And this didn't knock the guy out at all. He kept fighting at full strength. So the morphine dose didn't work at all. Then on the medical operating room, it took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under. So anesthesia does not use morphine, to my knowledge. So these are definitely different drugs we're talking about. And obviously, depending on the, uh, depending on the uh, neurological state of these uh, subjects, the effects of morphine on that subject's body would be very different from the effects of general anesthesia. The fact that they had a weakness at all to anesthesia compared to everything else they endured seems really weird. That the only, like, this is just a hypothesis and doesn't really, like, shed light, extra light on the matter. But the four guys who were alive, uh, consuming the oxygen that five people were at high levels of exertion. Mm -hmm. It's possible that, like, somehow, obviously the gas did something to allow them to survive this long, if this story is true because otherwise they would not have survived. But assuming they were somehow able to live. So the only reason that um, more anesthesia would have been needed, like slightly more than normal, uh, as opposed to like 10 times the amount of sedative, morphine sedative, 
um, could be that since four people were already absorbing slightly more atmosphere than an average human, that the anesthetic necessary to put them under was only slightly larger than the average person's necessary dosage. So that was the anesthetic. Now let's talk about he flatlined as soon as his eyes closed. My first thought is euthanasia. Can you imagine if they just fucked up, got the wrong vial? That's literally what I like. Honestly, everything else went wrong with this experiment. I wouldn't be surprised if they just mislabeled their fucking vials. Obviously, now we're getting into the idea, though, that as soon as they fall asleep, they die. Yes, although technically, like, they could have resuscitated the guy. Like, flatlining is not instant death in real life. Uh, It's the sign that if no, like, serious measures are taken, they will die in, like, minutes. Right, like, it's like, you gotta hurry now. Things are serious. Yeah. So, they probably could have saved the guy's life. So it doesn't really make sense. On the other hand, I can see why they wouldn't want to save this guy's life. Right. They're like, well, bye, bitch. And then they do the autopsy, which seems like the only thing that was done correctly was to do a fucking autopsy. Yeah. Um, now, the autopsy showed three mm-hmm. times the blood oxygen level than what it should have been. Mm-hmm. Now, after you're dead, your body basically is in a relaxed state that you lose everything. It would take time, as it seems like they did. If they autopsied immediately after death, there would still be, like, at the very least, congealed blood and stuff in there. Right. But the blood oxygen level, that's where we're getting at. It it is not possible for them to have absorbed (laughs) as much uh, as three times the normal concentration. There are two reasons for this. The first is that one of the only ways to change the amount of oxygen that someone consumes is to change the partial pressure of the oxygen in the air. In other words, there would have had to literally have been more oxygen that they were breathing while in the chamber. Not only do we know this wasn't happening because they were monitoring the oxygen intake and they were monitoring how much oxygen was in the air to dilute the gas, as you'll remember, so they, they would have known if somehow the air pressure was changing for oxygen. Uh, this is why, like, if you go to, like, the top of Mount Everest, the partial pressure of oxygen, as well as the atmosphere altogether, is so low that you cannot breathe it sufficiently to sustain life. That's why you'll, you know, literally suffocate to death at the top of Mount Everest. So the other problem is there is literally a physical limit to how much oxygen your body can store in blood. Only things that you can do to put oxygen in blood is to saturate uh, your blood plasma with it. You can literally add oxygen to the like liquid portion of your blood. In other words, your body and your blood has a physical capacity limit, like a truck. Once your body fits in the blood, like the amount of oxygen you need to Uh, fulfill your metabolism it can't absorb more it physically cannot uh when you when you exert yourself hard you can you breathe faster but your heart also pumps more blood so the flow increases which helps you keep up but eventually you literally cannot carry more blood more oxygen in your blood the rest of it stays in your lungs 
especially since we know they were only taking slightly more oxygen consumption than the average human would, pound for pound. We know for fact it was medically impossible for there to be three times as amount, uh, uh, the amount of oxygen in their blood. Okay. So the next big flaw, we're leaving this guy that died on the table. He's dead. The second surgery, I'm not even going to bring up the fact that they added a man at some point. Um, they tried, okay. Well, and like literally from there to the rest of the story, they were like, two are living. And I was like, no, they're not. I'm, I'm wondering if we just miscounted on account of like human error or something at the beginning. But he flatlined before he got put in the, before they put the other. Yeah, no, 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 no. But definitely there was a guy who could speak and then there was a guy who could choke. And then there were two left over after both after of them were that. operated on. Yeah. So they added a guy. They probably added a guy or we made a mistake. It's really not that important to the story itself we're trying to dismantle, but it but, is probably a contradiction. Yeah. Now, obviously, yes, surgeries can be done without anesthetic. From my experience of being awake during a procedure, it's not fun. Yeah. You're not going to be smiling unless you're one of those people who laugh through pain. <laughs> These guys do seem like that. They have their organs outside of their bodies. That's true. These guys are the most pain-resistant people ever at right. this point. Right, right, right. Oh, actually, that might not be true. They might just literally not have enough nerves left. They tore it all out. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the no anesthesia thing was the most credible part of this. I mean, without being a medical expert, I could at least see how, by miracle, the procedures they did could have been done without anesthetic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they're not having to cut him open. He's already cut. Yeah, that, I, that was the other thing I didn't like. Remember when I said it was important that they, he said, keep cutting? Didn't need to cut. They had torn their chest open and removed right. organs. They were, okay, the keep cutting was because they were taking skin grafts from other parts of his body to cover the chest. I'm not even sure that's a worthwhile procedure. You just open up new holes. I agree. <laughs> okay, uh, but I see your point. Okay. Because I was like, why are we talking about this one? Like, that one made sense to me. Okay. I see what your point is, though. I, I, it took me a while to connect skin graft cutting, okay. which it shouldn't have, but I'm dead inside right now. Um, how would one put one's organs back in someone's body and survive that without infection, without... I'll stop you at infection. They wouldn't. Take out the four inches of fluids and the fact that they were potentially sitting there for days with their organs on the ground. Let's say they ripped them out on the way to the medical center. Okay. Could you survive removal and then replacement of or that many organs? They do lung transplant. Like they were eating their own flesh, which already isn't the ideal fuel source for the human yeah. body to metabolize. It could have possibly worked to an extent. I'm sure, because cannibals don't typically die from eating their victims, you know, right. part at a time in history. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's possible. Uh, but we've already talked about how they don't have muscles to operate their lungs. While I'm no biologist or doctor, I'll tell you, I can't imagine that all the other organs don't also rely on musculature. So it would be really, really bad for the body itself if the organs were left like uncontrolled, dipped on the floor. Mm -hmm. Survivable short term, maybe. I think I think there was a Japanese like ritual 
That that's how seppuku worked. It wouldn't just be like they'd cut you open. Well, okay, there were different types of seppuku, but I'm not going to nerd out on you. The point is the type I'm talking about. Oh, you want me to tell you? No. Okay. There are different types of seppuku you can get depending on the context in which you dishonored yourself. If you dishonored yourself on the battlefield, your enemy might respect your honor enough to offer to help you perform seppuku so you die with honor. In which case, all you really do is stab yourself. And basically, as soon as you've stabbed yourself, your uh, enemy acknowledged your worth, cuts off your head so you don't experience pain. So it's a mercy killing and very respectable. Now, if you if you were just like a greedy little fuck and the emperor didn't like you or not emperor fuck i'm forgetting japanese terms now maybe daimyo the person in charge if you were being like a greedy little fuck and you angered the guy in charge you could be ordered to kill yourself in order to not mar your name and family and it was actually weird they had a full process where like you would write a death poem previous to death final meal uh you would have like a full parade in your honor being on death row but like a fancy death row uh, there were other variants over history. The ritual suicide changed over time, depending on context and history. But the one I'm talking about is you would cut your belly open and remove your organs, and then you would be beheaded. Okay. You could survive long enough to pull out your organs and place them delicately in, like, bowls of water, I think, or something like that. You could, you could display them around you, and then you would be killed. And you could survive that process generally. We know they're prisoners of war. Yeah. And we know it's World War II. Yeah. But we don't know what side they were on. We don't know. What's the possibility that that's what they were trying to do? Except the quote at the end implies they wanted freedom as monsters. Okay, yeah. They wanted to be let free as fully emerged demons of the psyche or whatever. So they didn't want to kill themselves. Also, it didn't work if they were trying to kill themselves that way. In this story, contextually, maybe it's true through the power of demons. But medically speaking, six-hour surgery. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's impossible because I don't have the credentials to say so. I'm going to guess and believe wholly in my heart it wouldn't be possible. Okay. So that's the smiley face guy. Yeah. Now we have, they're back in the room, the flat line on the table, the brainwaves. Going brain dead and then okay again, then brain dead, then okay again. Is that a thing? Under proper medical circumstances, not really. That's not a long-term trend that happens. Even when you have, like, people in comas and stuff. Like, again, like, it was a short enough amount that it's almost medically plausible. So we should give them, like, partial credit. So now he's dead. Brainwave dude. And the last guys in the room, they're going to lock him in and turn on the gas again. And we have this soldier who's like, fuck no, and kills the general, and then turns and shoots the dude, drops to the table, but the dude doesn't die. Yeah. They're like, what are you? And so he's like bleeding, he's thrashing, and he's like, where are you? He's like Arnold in basically every war movies he's ever been in. I was kind of thinking like Revenge of Chucky. Um, That's also a good one, actually. Yeah, let's go with that. I also don't get why the shot to the heart killed him so quickly. It didn't kill the other guy very quickly at all. Cause he'd, I guess because he'd already been shot to the head. Maybe. But he was surviving with less blood and after his heart had stopped beating. So I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure that would matter. It seems odd that he, survived, that he died as quickly as he did. 
Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Awesome bro take. Yeah, man. I hoped you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled F-N-X Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh, yeah, man. You are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. Just like our bromance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. Now we can talk about actual real-life sleep research that's been done. Or not, not necessarily even scientific research, but like, like people on TV or on radio like have done this before the longest scientific controlled to an extended environment was 11 days. The longest he went without stimulants was the full 11 days in like four hours. He didn't need stimulants that whole time. He was fucked up and like barely coordinated, but he was awake without stimulants. We have stories of people who went longer like a guy, I think it was a radio, um, I'm not sure if he was an announcer or whatever, but he, you know, he talked on radio. And, um, and uh, da, 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 he was awake for 8.4 days, also without stimulants. And we even have uh, a non-scientific, but, you know, like a public attempt uh, to stay awake for 18.7 days as reported. So to the, ex- we have like actual data relevant to this experiment matching up in some cases to the entire duration of the actual experiment itself, which ended in 15 days, not with stimulants. Now, at what point do you think um, would the hallucinations actually set in? The records we have here showed um, different rates. In four days, Peter Tripp, who did the 8.4 day long thing, started having paranoia and multiple hallucinations. That would have happened by day four. That's actually pretty accurate with the story. I mean, I guess it would also play in like psychologically already if you have stuff going on. Four days seems long to have all five men not set in until day four or five. By day four, he had irritability, memory lapses, difficulty concentrating, as well as visual hallucinations. That kind of explains the crazy ramblings the guys were going on. The one thing it doesn't explain is the specific talk about darker instances in their pasts and war traumas. That didn't happen for the subjects. Really, they just got worse at communication. They didn't get better at talking about dark shit. Day six, speech slowing and difficulty naming common objects. Okay. So, like, he's forgetting, it takes him a few seconds to recognize a cup. We're talking mental handicaps heavy level. Yeah. Which weren't experienced any time by these subjects. No. Days seven and eight, increased memory lapses and speech slurring. Also doesn't match up with the uh, ability of these guys to speak coherently at, like, what, day 11? Yeah. I mean, this sounds then, like, almost like you're blackout drunk. Oh, yeah. 
by day 11, literally it sounds like he's blackout drunk. Day 11, expressionless appearance, speech fully slurred with no intonation, only talked when encouraged to. Literally, they'd ask him a question. He'd only answer if they were like, come, come on, Randy, you can do it, you can do it. We believe in you. He was asked to count backwards by sevens from 100. So like 100, 93, uh, 80, what, six? He, he was asked to do that. Mm-hmm. He stopped at 65, and they asked him why he stopped. He forgot what he was supposed to be doing. Same. <laughs> so he did not become increasingly creepy. He got exhausted. Yeah. He had stimuli to keep him awake. No, he didn't. He went 11 days, no stim- stimuli. Stimuli, though, I mean, like, people talking to him and stuff. Like, he had, obviously, doing these tests was some sort of stimulus. Like so he, he had stimulus. But then again, the prisoners were described, like, rocking, uh, murmuring to themselves, flexing and unflexing, try, like, moving their eyeballs. So they were actively trying to stimulate themselves to stay awake, because if they didn't, they would die. Right. But uh, Randy went to sleep. And he was fine after. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think he actually did suffer some consequences afterward, uh, but they were not serious enough to report. Pardon? I remember correctly from that one, he slept like a ridiculous amount after. He slept like recovery sleep for like two or three days. I was like, I think it was like 56 hours or something like that. Yeah. But understandably. Yeah. But he slept and awoke. There was no need to stay awake. No, it wasn't the end for him. And it was not the end either for our people who went longer, like 18.7 days. None of these people have died. Right. So, I mean, it sounds like if you do that to yourself, the most important thing actually is going to be to sleep. Which means the only explanation for their strange behavior and why they would die if off of the gas was because the gas was addictive. And they had withdrawal symptoms, which they should have known would happen much earlier in the experiment. Right. It's bullshit. This gas they got was bullshit. They, pull, they got it from some street dealer and didn't ask what it was. They just called it orange soda, and it probably wasn't orange. It was probably a purple fucking gas, okay? Right. These guys breathed in this gas, and nothing that should have happened to them from sleeping went right. That's the conclusion. It doesn't match up with their symptoms, but that's the only logical conclusion as to why they would fall asleep and die. They were literally so addicted to the gas, they died of withdrawal symptoms. We even know street meth doesn't do this. I don't know what the street dealer they got this stuff from did. Maybe he peed in it accidentally, dropped it in an oil barrel, they gave it back to him. Rats have died from sleep deprivation, but not conclusively. In the experiments, it wasn't sure if sleep was the literal cause of death or if other environmental factors complicated the experiment. How this one did, because they used a fucking toxic gas. Right. Bitch, please. What I was going to say is I do see how someone could die from sleep deprivation. However, I'm going to base it off of um, Randy's experiment. He would die because he was forgetting his basic necessities. So if you don't have someone there to be like, hey, you need to do this, and somehow he was still getting the stimuli to stay awake, eventually you would probably dehydrate yourself or starve yourself to death. Doubtful. 
I think the pain response would still be, would become so constant and severe by a certain point, he would have no choice but to know he needed something to survive. Dehydration is not pleasant. Right. You would, you would know if you were close to death from dehydration. In the time it takes him to count backwards to, what, 63, which probably would have taken him a long time given how low his mental capacity was. Not, not a long time relatively, like he probably was at most a minute and then he forgot what was happening. Sleep deprivation has not killed anyone due to, like, specifically not eating or anything. I think it probably just, it probably has something more to do with the neurology behind it. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine after a certain point, your brain stops getting enough energy or something to process things right, and then starts making more mistakes. Right. That would be my completely blind, not scientifically supported guess, and not as a neuroscientist or biologist. Right. I'm going to keep throwing these disclaimers in here. So... Do you have any other points you would like to bring up? We talked about that. We talked about that. Oh, I forgot to mention people were going to think that if someone hyperventilated, they would be able to get three times as much oxygen in their blood, right? Yeah. You can actually suffocate from hyperventilating too long. It's really not good for through you. Through oxygen deprivation, because you get a, you, your brain interestingly can't detect oxygen. It responds to your CO2 levels. And so when you breathe out and exhale, but you're not getting enough oxygen because you're hypervent- hyperventilating, your um, oxygen level keeps going, uh, keeps being out of whack. And so you keep on breathing more and more and more, but your oxygen levels are not coming in as fast as you're expending CO2. And since you lose more CO2 than you gain O2, you slowly lose the signal from your brain to breathe. And then they would faint and they would have died. And you know, there are so many ways they could have fallen asleep during this that they, they would have died from this experiment. So with that in mind, we've hit everything of what's wrong with it, what it supposedly was. Um, my last little thing then is do we believe at all that any of this could have happened? No. Oh, damn. Okay. A better sleep experiment? They already fucking happened. We have, we literally like referenced them in this video. They happened. But not the way the, the, that this story describes. Yeah. We had control groups. We actually knew what the drugs we were using did. <laughs> like, much better experiments were done on sleep. They didn't confirm this story. What I could see happening, however, this story could have gotten somewhat accurately, would be this used as a torture method. That's the only way I could somewhat. They were already begging it the day five. They were trying to sell each other out at day five. But like, that's what I'm saying though, is like to, to an extent, I could see it as that. I mean. But not the full 15 days or anything. Dude, if you, if you waterboard someone, like uh, there was an actual secret agent who said if someone waterboards you, 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 will, you will talk in minutes. Yeah. This was like a full spy assassin, retired, said if they torture you, you will talk. Okay. They wasted so many resources. We don't even know if this gas was more lethal than a different gas, which would be cheaper to produce. We have no reason to believe this gas had any value. And we also have no reason to believe that they even did it, though. Yeah, there's a creepypasta account, which this was all based on. Yes. It's a spook story. 
And I mean, the crazy thing about this one that actually does kind of make it a conspiracy theory, this story has gotten around so many times that it's not always put out there that it's a creepypasta. People believe it. And people, a lot of people believe it, which is interesting because, I mean, just reading it, I'm always like, but this is a plot hole. And this is a plot hole. There is no way this experiment, as described, would have resulted either in useful research results or in living subjects at right. any phase. Part of why I like this one is that so many people believe it, but there's so little to it that's actually believable. But it is very unique, I guess, for lack of a better... It is unique. I will give it that. It, it, it is a creative story. And there are parts of it which kind of align with science. Greatly outnumbered by the points in science, they completely contradict. I think Mothman is more believable than this. I'm sorry. I haven't even seen Mothman and I'd believe it. Like, no. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, you can find us on our website, conspiracycrasherspodcast.com. Go there because on that website, it has a link to listen, a link for merch. Um, the Patreon link is up through that. You can learn a little bit about us on it. Um, it's a pretty cool place. Um, we also can be found on Instagram at Conspiracy Crashers Podcast, um, where we will be starting to announce next week's episodes on the Instagram by posting some cryptid images for you guys to try and use to figure out what we're covering. We can be found on Facebook at Conspiracy Crashers, on Twitter at, at Conspiracy Pods, and our email if you have suggestions, ideas of what you want us to cover advice whatever at conspiracycrasher at gmail.com yeah, yeah.